Hi, thanks for joining our podcast today. We are the Injury Prevention Coordinators for the Trauma 1 and 2 Adult Trauma Centers in the Greater Salt Lake area. I'm Emily. I'm Teresa. I'm Brittany. And I'm Jamie. All right, everybody, welcome to our next episode of uh, Adventures in Injury Prevention, Safely Exploring Utah's Outdoors. Uh, My name is Jamie. I'm the Injury Prevention Outreach Coordinator with University of Utah Health. And I'm Teresa Brunt from Intermountain Medical Center. I'm the Injury Prevention Trauma Outreach Coordinator there. And I'm Brittany Clark from St. Mark's Hospital. I'm the Trauma Outreach and Injury Prevention Coordinator from there. And with us today, we have a very special guest. Jason from Unified Fire Authority and the Mountain Rescue Program is here with us today. Um, We are recording up in Snowbird and I am super excited to hear you speak because it is snowing good. Yes, it is. Living up to its name of Snowbird Four today. Months. Yeah. Four months. It chose to do that because we came up here. Yes. It's very yes. true. It's probably why it is snowing today. Yes. <laughs> Sweet. Yes. Yeah, Oktoberfest was the last time I came up here, so it's a little bit looks a little bit different today. Yeah. Yeah. That keeps us busy. Yeah. So up here there's many different activities from skiing to backcountry exploring, mm-hmm. skiing and as Teresa said, snow mountain biking or snow biking, <laughs> yes. Snow biking. Bring out that mountain timber sled, yes. So um, I'm going to have Jason just kind of take over and kind of uh, give us some little tips and tricks uh, when we come up here and explore um, the beautiful mountainous terrains up here towards Snowbird. and. Yeah, for anybody in there that doesn't know where Snowbird is, it's the top of Little Cottonwood Canyon in Utah. For those of you listening outdoors that are coming up for the first time, yes. they do say, you know, it's the greatest snow on earth up here, right? <laughs> Especially if you get a 100-inch base. We're not quite there yet, but definitely one of the popular places to be. It is. So, yeah, within Unified Fire Authority, this is Station 113. Um, we've got a few, we've got about four or five stations that respond in and around the canyon. So this one is in Little Cottonwood Canyon, obviously. Um, 108 is in, uh, is at Brighton in Big Cottonwood Canyon. Um, we have 112 that is right below Mount Olympus, and then uh, up in Creation Canyon at 119. Um, those are the stations closest to the mountains. Um, and then the other stations support us as well if we need backup. Um, or if a medical or rescue call, if we need more hands, they'll, they'll come up and assist us. But those are the main stations that are up here. Fantastic. So, um, my question though, <laughs> I'm trying to just because so, well, we, so yeah. we bring, we brought up in the prior podcast a couple times on, I'm up on the mountain, I'm in trouble, someone is hurt, I'm going to call 911. And I think that we, we've tried to kind of educate people too to not always rely on your cell phone working. So when, I, when I'm up on the mountain and I call 911, what's gonna happen? Perfect. So that's, that's actually, we get that question all the time. And, mm-hmm. it's, and it used to be just one simple answer, but it's, it's not a simple answer anymore. There's a lot of moving parts. So um, just starting with the calling of 911, even that is, there's more options than just using your cell phone these days. People have uh, PLBs, personal locating beacons, mm-hmm. um, smart watches, GPS. Well, I mean, there's many, many tech things now that will actually call. Um, in fact, we, they had, the crew yesterday had one just here on Snowbird where he crashed skiing and it called and he didn't even know. Wow. So they were trying. 
and try to locate him on a mountain as he's skiing around. So, yeah. Hit fall hard. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Wow. On your watches or yeah. Mm-hmm. It's wow. Got some mm-hmm. indicator in there where it, where it, it senses it, does it. So huh. there's and and we still get calls even even on the mountain from 911. So somebody wrecks skiing or sees something happen, they call 911 and then they they'll page us out as a regular 911 response. But if it's during the day and on the mountain, then we we in turn call ski patrol and get them going and then they can either okay. handle it take it to the snowboard clinic or if it's serious enough um, or if they need a fast transport time whatever the case may be they'll actually call us and have us meet we have four or five areas that are you know rendezvous location yeah, that we will yeah. go and pick them up directly from there and, and take them down um, as well as different landing zones around the around the resorts and that's the same at all the resorts so if, I, if I'm sending my child up here to go ski, what's the best? Do I do I tell them to rely on that 911, or always ski with a buddy, or <laughs> you know what's what's the best way that that you know if there is an incident that happens to keep not only them safe but to be able to get help if they need that? That's a good question. So on on the front side of the mountain, as well as Alta Snowbird and Alta, you have pretty good cell range. But as soon as you drop off the backside. It's, it's hit or miss. So there's not, unfortunately, one that catches all of it. Um, and then, even if you're on the backside, you can actually get, when you call 911, it can go to another tower. So there's oh, so there's a whole bunch of these little intricacies that, <laughs> that are a little bit different than just regular 911 Gatlin Valley. So the first thing that happens is, if somebody calls from a cell phone, it's just regular dispatch. They'll, they'll call in, um, they'll get the address, and then they send out the closest, most appropriate unit, uh, unit, unit. And then if it's a personal locating beacon, it can actually go to, it can go to several call centers within the U.S. and then they geolocate it off a satellite and then they call the closest dispatch center. So sometimes it doesn't, it's not an immediate thing. Sometimes it can take a few minutes just to figure out where you're at. And then... <laughs> We just, we thought we were yeah. done, yeah. Wow. With, with all the backcountry that we have here, there's there's several places within kind of the top of Alta that you can, you can actually hit Summit County's tower. So it can, it, it takes it takes somebody getting the dispatch to one of the stations and that person recognizing that that is our area or no, you know what, that's actually in Utah County. We need to send Lone Peak Fire District and Utah County Sheriff or Park City and Park City EMS. So there's, it, it can take up to 10, 15 minutes just to figure out wow. where that call is. Mm. So recommend that I carry a, my own personal okay. backpack. Well, now you know we're going <laughs> to talk about yeah. things that maybe you might need if, if you do get hurt. You want that injury prevention side because it's going to take a while. A few minutes. Um, to get yeah. help to you. So. Yep, and that's something that we try to emphasize to a lot of people is that you're not going to get it really fast, as, as fast as you're thinking that you're going to get away if you're from the, you know, just a metro area. And up here where we get a lot of people from right. the state, they call and they, they expect, you know, that response within five minutes. And, and sometimes they won't even know who to send for up to 15 minutes. So, yeah, you, you can be out there, best case scenario, sometimes 20 minutes before you get any, any help at all. Yeah. If, if it is on the mountain and, and they're skiing like that, the, the 911 
they'll send us, we'll, we'll call Ski Patrol and then we'll try to zero them in from there. So sometimes if it's low enough where we can just walk to them, then we'll go assist them, otherwise it will be Ski Patrol. Yeah. My thing is if I fell up here, I wouldn't know where I was. Yeah. <laughs> I'm by a tree. Yes. <laughs> Even if you're I dropping a pin in Yeah. Huge point actually that I, I was going to bring up as well is knowing where you're at. That, that's one of the, I know we're in the winter right now, but in the summer, that is a huge issue that we come up It's so against. easy to get turned around yeah. up here too. Yeah. It is. And the closest that they've been able to get, they can get within 3,000 feet, and which seems close enough if you were to call even in the summer months, but that can be yeah. three different counties or three different agencies. That's, that's not close enough. So knowing where you're at, um, Again, we have a lot of people from out of state that come up here. That's a that's a tough one. Really and letting other people know where you're going. Yeah. That way yeah. you don't yeah. get turned home. Yeah. I do like they the apps. Yeah. I do like the apps that are be. coming out that kind of help people with that. Like I have all trails on my phone. Yeah. Because I love hiking. Mm -hmm. um, now here in the Wasatch area, obviously I hike a lot here, so I'm not going to get as turned around. But if I'm going, even just up to um, Davis County or even Utah County, I don't know where I'm hiking at. So that's something that I have to make sure I know. I'm like, okay, where am I going? So I think telling people using those to know where you're at. Because how many of us actually carry a paper map anymore or anything like that? Nobody. Or know how to read them. <laughs> I do have one in the truck just in case, because you never know. So, but how outdated that is. There's the know. other side of that too, where people, where the personal locating beacons, where people are thinking that by technology I can just get this and I, now I don't need to carry water, I don't need to carry a first aid kit, I don't need to yeah. carry yeah. Get those quite often as well. Um, but luckily those are starting to be a little bit more, at least less frequent than, than we've had in the past because people are realizing that that they can be charged for you know, certain types of rescues and, and uh, they're not calling just because they need help setting up their tent or they need water because they didn't bring water. And, and, that, and those those happen. I mean, there's a lot of calls that would blow your mind. Wow. Some of the things people will yeah. use it for, because it's a push of a button. That's all mm -hmm. they need. Yeah. Well, I think people don't think about it sometimes, too, in the winter, is a lot of people don't realize you still need to carry water. Mm -hmm. You're still mm -hmm. going to get dehydrated if you're up skiing or even, you know, doing backcountry stuff. Just because it's cold outside and you're not feeling thirsty doesn't mean you're not going to get dehydrated and something bad could happen. Absolutely. Yeah, we have we recommend the same things as search and rescue, REI, all the you know, manufacturers and rescue agencies have their little bullet list of things. Water, mm -hmm. some type of communication, yeah. you know, all those basics. And most people around here, because they're mountain people that are used to being in the mountains, it's it's a lot of the time the people that aren't from here that mm -hmm. are more dependent on us, I guess. Yeah. Right? And they start bringing in those the push button fixes to everything. Yeah. yeah. So is it recommending if I know I'm coming in from New Jersey or someplace like that, yeah. I don't know why I pick New Jersey, to ski and I buy my lift ticket, do they is do they offer a map? How do I know how can I become more familiar with okay, I'm gonna be skiing this area this day. You know, again that's why I advocate for the buddy system so someone always knows that you're headed out for the day. Absolutely. You're expecting to be back by two or whatever. You know, but is the map detailed enough for me to say I'm 
the last lift I was on <laughs> was, yeah, you know. There's at every ski resort, wherever you get your ticket, there there's rows and rows of them. They're all over the place. In fact, they wish more people would carry them because that's an issue for them too. Yeah, oh, that's yeah, good to know. They, when they call. Problem is, as soon as you start skiing, you're not usually thinking of that until something bad happens and then you... And need help, yeah. yeah. Mm. And by the tree, it just doesn't, it doesn't work. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well that's good to know. Pick up your paper map and it will be a souvenir when you uh -huh. get home. <laughs> and if you have a compass, actually know which way no, northeast. Yeah, yeah definitely. I, I get to the east coast and I'm like, yeah, I know east and west twice a day when the sun rises. Yes, that's me too. Because I don't have my mountain ranges <laughs> to tell me which Take way. Take away my mountains and I don't yeah. know where I'm at. Yeah. They're like, which way are we, direction are we going? I'm like, mm, I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yep. Definitely. So with uh, so when somebody does get hurt or needs help, there's like you said, multiple people involved in just dispatching the correct unit to that person. So is there multiple dispatch centers, or is there just one hub for it? Or that's a, that's a great question. So do you want me to start from somebody calling nine one one? That would be yeah. Let's yeah. Okay. Go so through that. Um, for using a, a personal locating beacon, however that happened. So here we'll use Valley Emergency Communications back mm -hmm. as our primary dispatch. So if it's if it got sent to another county because it hit a different cell tower, that dispatch center will forward it to to Beck. And then if it's one of the personal locating beacons or one of those GPSs or the watches they actually have to physically look up and they have a whole switchboard that's monitored for that exact reason but then they'll call the closest dispatch place and then then from that address is is how they send out the closest fire police ems and all that um, but depending on i know we're in the winter right now depending on where you happen to be um, and what the call is and what kind of what activity you're doing um, this kind of goes back a little bit to know where you're at. We have so many different user groups here in the Wasatch. You have hikers, you mm -hmm. have backcountry skiers, you have climbers, mountain bikers, mm -hmm. all in the same area, and they have all their own names for for the same place. So we've actually we <laughs> we carry about four or five different maps and names of places for that exact thing. Um, so if it's in the if it's in the winter, we know it's usually going to be a skier. Um, and we can look it up and go to it that way. In the summer, we'll look at it more in the climbing or the trails, um, but there's many different places that we have to, because somebody will say, well, I know, I know I'm on the triangle wall, and that's, there's five of them here. <laughs> Are you fun. a skier? Exactly. Yeah. And it, it sounds pretty basic, but on the, on the shoulder season, spring and fall, you can have them overlapping, and, we, and we've actually sent units to the wrong completely wrong place because that's we're only we can only go to the place that they give us so knowing where you're at even even if you don't know exactly where you're at if you're saying what you're doing oftentimes will help dispatch um, the other thing is, is the dispatch system goes off an address grid so if you don't know where you're at the only thing that they can tell us is they're at snowbird <laughs> Good luck. Yeah. Good grief. It's <laughs> a big area. Yeah. So when, when they when you call in, you you can say, and I am skiing, or I'm at I'm at Alta, and I'm hiking, and then that that can zero us in um, 
quite a bit more than, than you'd think it would, but just knowing what activity that person's participating in. If it's an unknown or if it's using a climbing group as an example, somebody that's from here knows the area and they just tell the person, we're, we're climbing on triangle wall. At least that person can say, we're a triangle wall. Otherwise, it, it, can, it can take hours to try to locate you. So we get the dispatch, and just like we would in Valley, we, we can punch it into our GPS. Um, it will show up on our map of the whole valley and here in the mountains. But again, it's only as good as what that person told us. So we have to use all these other user group maps to kind of zero in, not all the time, but, but sometimes. Um, if somebody knows they're on the White Pine Trailhead, that's pretty simple, and we can go right there. Um, but then, knowing what your emergency is. So if it's uh, using a twisted or a broken leg, twisted ankle, as an example, if you're up at White Pine, um, and you know that's, that's not very far, a mile and a half, but that could be a four or five hour walkout. Um, we're gonna need search and rescue, fire and EMS, um, and possibly, if it's bad enough, we might use an air medical resource to come in and get them. Um, rather than carry them out for six to eight hours. There's many other people that need to be dispatched as well. So this, there's about a 20 minute section of time that all this is going on, that people are up there on the phone and they're wondering why, why, yeah. you're, not, why you're not there yet. Yeah. Um, and so you need to realize it's, it's not that quick. We, we need to zero in on where you're at, get all these other resources coming. And we're up here, we're stationed here, so we will, we'll head out immediately, but it can still take us an hour, hour and a half to get to some of these places. Yeah. So going back to the stuff that you're going to carry, you need to be prepared to at least sustain yourself for an hour or two. And most people aren't prepared to do that. Mm -hmm. I don't think they think about that when we're skiing, because a lot of people don't want to carry a backpack or something like mm -hmm. that. And I'm thinking of just something small. I mean, it's okay to carry a fanny pack. I'm all right with that, right? Of stuff. Your power bar. Yeah. And <laughs> but I, I think if people think about that is you still have a lot of pockets in your ski coats and you can put things in there yeah. without having to carry a backpack and just making sure, again, you have water. I mean, we had somebody come down to the hospital that we took three beers out of their pocket when they got there after <laughs> Thomas. So I know you can pack things in there. It's true. There are ways. We just you said just it on there. We're like, to. well, he was having a good time on the mountain. Okay. He was very limber. Yes, yes. Probably why he wasn't as injured. <laughs> well, I think I say it's just always a good reminder. I like where you said it took me an hour and a half to get where I'm at. It's going to take you at least that long to get to me if I get injured. And I think that's, you know, we tried to stress that even if you're hiking southern Utah or wherever. Yeah. If it took you six hours to get there, you know, you're not on the Wasatch Front and it may, there may be that delayed time. So I think it's just a good reminder again, just, yeah. yeah. It, it is. And there, there are times when, when we, we will ask for DPS helicopter or one of the air medical services, and they're great about it. They'll come pick us up and, and take us there. So sometimes we can shorten that distance and get there quick, depending on the call details. So, um, you know, if it's somebody that's going to be in need of a trauma one center, then we'll, we'll try to throw all our resources at it. Um, however, we can also get flown in, but not be flown out. Right. So weather, uh, nighttime, you know, the situations change. Um, mechanical issues with the helicopters, so and, and that has happened um, where we, we have to be prepared ourselves, even though we're bringing in all the medical 
and rescue equipment, we have to be prepared to be out there overnight as well. So not only are we carrying the rescue equipment, medical equipment to help that person, we have to carry all of our own personal protect protective equipment as well. So it does take us a little while to get in there. If we can shorten it by using a, a helicopter um, or we have a side-by-side, -side, we have a four-wheeler, we'll try to get the, up there as quick as we can, but it is going to take a while. Yeah, good to remember that. Do you have as much that many of the people come and do in backcountry skiing or um, snowshoeing and that up here? Um, just as much as skiing and thinking about what do they need to think about? Is there groomed trails? Is there, you know, is there a way to make sure that I'm not going to run into a skier that's going to knock me over as I'm hiking? Yeah. <laughs> or avalanche danger. Avalanche yeah. danger, yeah. all that fun stuff. There are. So there, there's a couple of, that's a very loaded question. <laughs> There's, there's a lot of things to unpack in that one. So there, yeah. there are places um, that are like the Nordic centers and places around that, that are dedicated just for snowshoeing, backcountry skiing. Um, being, being that it's the Wasatch so close to a pretty big metropolitan area, there are a ton of people in the backcountry around here. Um, and it's very accessible. So it used to be only the, the people that didn't know what they were doing were out venturing in the winter. And now you can go pick up all the stuff at REI and be up here in five minutes and be in way over your head. So the Utah Avalanche Forecast Center, um, there's a lot of places and resources that are trying to combat that, but there's nothing that's gonna stop people that aren't prepared mm -hmm. to go up there. But um, it does change what you need to be prepared for and carry. Um, and I mean, you can imagine if you, if you think you're gonna have to spend the night when it's Minus, it was minus six yeah. yesterday morning, yeah. or, or the day before. It can, yeah. you gotta spend night. I mean, that's, that could be a tent, a sleeping <laughs> bag and everything. And most, most people don't end up carrying that. But for the most part, people that are backcountry skiing are prepared and they bring enough stuff. Occasionally, you'll get somebody new that is kind of venturing out and gets themselves in trouble. But the Utah Avalanche Forecast Center, um, manufacturers again, and, and retail places like REI really combated trying to get, you know, the know before you go programs, mm -hmm. get people educated on avalanche safety, backcountry safety. So in the winter, it's it's less of an issue because it's a little bit more restrictive and costly. This, all that equipment costs a lot of money. Um, but it also, the response changes in the winter as well. Uh, do you want to touch on that as yeah. well? That's yeah, please. For us and search and rescue. So if you are a backcountry skier, snowboarder, or snowshoer, as soon as there's avalanche danger, which can somewhat be subjective, but we'll just say the main part of the winter, search and rescue and, and UFA and all fire EMS really don't leave the road. We have avalanche beacons, we have probes, we have all that kind of stuff, but what happens is, um, it's called Wasatch Backcountry Rescue, WBR, but some mm -hmm. people have heard of it, some people haven't. Um, it's made up of snow safety professionals and ski patrollers from all the ski resorts and that are actually on duty. So if something was to happen right now up on Mount Superior and somebody called 911, the UPD officer would come up and it would start normal. We would be called at the same time, but we would we would go to a safe spot and basically park and wait. We're, we're not actually gonna venture out there. Snowbird and Alta, under, under the direction of UPD, both would send two or three, never one person, it's gonna be three or four 
um, ski patroller scale, to have the backcountry training, to have the equipment, and they're actually going to go up and do that. Um, and do that, meaning that they're actually going to go up and do searches, um, and deem it safe, and then if you need more people, then, then we can start moving in, maybe fire, EMS, and, and other patrollers to go help. But the initial call-out is not going to be us, we're search and rescue. It's going to be ski patrollers from Wasatch Backcountry Rescue. That's good to tell And that's only in the winter. So as soon as the avalanche danger is gone, and or the ski resorts are closed, because there, there is still avalanche danger at Pius, as you guys know, um, but when there's active, when the resorts are open, we, we won't leave the road. Unless we're going in on a, you know, a helicopter or snowmobiles, which happens occasionally with, with UPD. Hmm. So it is a completely different I didn't response. know that. So, yeah. yeah interesting yeah. with that. So with Ski Patrol being one of the first responders to go out with UPD, what type of training, medical training, do they have? Like, are they paramedic training? So it, it's it's a so the minimum they have to be a wilderness first responder, um, and that's what most of them are. There are some EMTs, um, some medics, um, and then there are also uh, here specifically there's MDs and um, PAs and RNs that that work. Like like Polly is a good example. Somebody works at the Southern Clinic. If she happened to be up there, she could go assist. So it just really depends on when it happens and who's on duty. Mm -hmm. But the minimum, you're at least going to get wilderness first responder. Uh, and then if they go up there, they are able to stabilize the person. And then we can fly in medical resources, then that will happen. But initially, that's that's what you're going to get is wilderness first responder. That's, that's the minimum. Very nice. Do they use snowmobiles and that type of gear to get up there? Depends on where you're at. So all the all the resorts have snowmobiles. Yeah, okay. um, UPD and Search Rescue have snowmobiles, um, but usually those are just to be used on the resort property. Right. Um, there are some cabins up here, and then in the Cottonwood Canyon that we've gone in on snowmobiles for, we've gone into cabin fires on on a snowmobile. Yeah. Our, oh, yeah. our fire gear. So it just uh, depends on where it's at. Forget about that part. Yeah. <laughs> There's yeah, cabins. And <laughs> well, and you think about that. So as you're talking about that, yeah, there are cabins, and they're going to still get fires in the wintertime. Yeah. Um, you know, people know, is it water sources that are up by their cabins? And usually, does that have to, is that should happen? Yeah. <laughs> that's, that's, How quickly you would deplete that. I mean, you could yeah. melt a lot of snow to help you out, but it's not really going to help you out. You know, so you have a hydrant within a real short distance, and we're not there within least 10 minutes it's yeah. it's in cabin wood it's all flammable stuff. yeah wow it's all the stuff we have building construction like this today so yeah they go up quick it goes up very quick unless, yeah. it, unless it's right off the road mm -hmm. And speaking of roads, because I know Teresa likes to talk about lovely winter driving, <laughs> I actually check, I love technology because I can look at the UDOT cams or the mm -hmm. Utah Snow Report cams, and nice. I checked those before I drove up today yes. just to yeah. see, I'm like, yeah. where am I going to hit that? So always asking people to do that, but um, it, when there's, you see that kind of traffic jam where the snow hits and cars are stuck, um, what's your recommendation for them? Because you guys still have to maybe get out and around them, and I, I picture that like, back-to-back -back cars and there's no middle lane on some of those parts of that road yeah. suggestions yep. and that, especially the this canyon this canyon yes. well i drive mill creek <laughs> <laughs> so there's no room there but, either yeah, yeah. So there, there's a, a highway avalanche safety rating system mm -hmm. that most people 
haven't heard of that, but this canyon, when it, when, it's gonna be high up there. Yeah, compared to a lot of other places, most a lot of them, Colorado, Alaska, um, there's a number and it, it has to do with a whole bunch of things. They're in the 40s, 50s, 60s. This canyon's 140 something. Wow. Because of the numbered slide paths, the amount of them, and the volume that actually covers the road. So it's, if you take an aerial view, it is, it's, I mean, one after the other off each side. So this highway is the most avalanche prone highway in the, the U.S. So <laughs> that's where we're Can at. I go home now? <laughs> <laughs> so actually, it's fine. Is in the that's why it's built. Yeah. But the front, this way, we have them, we have them hit the station uh, once or twice a year. Wow. So, mm -hmm. And they'll come over, um, usually triggered by UDOT. But, um, so, but that is an issue all the way down the canyon. So seven miles, and if you look at the, the map of all the slide paths, it is, it, it's amazing. <laughs> <laughs> there, there's it's less intimidating. Than actually wow. Yeah. Um, so they, UDOT has a whole highway avalanche program, uh, and, and uh, her name's Lori that runs it. She lives next door. Uh, we work close with them all the time. We help them close the canyon. Um, so with those closures, they try to put them out. They put them out on the UDOT um, website. All the ski resorts have links to them. If you look at the ski resort and any intermittent closures, like if they say that they're gonna close it in the middle of the day, they'll send out texts and, and the resorts are now trying to put up signs that actually alert people. Mm -hmm. um, but with the traffic, it's they can't have everybody lined up to leave, and, and we call it the Red Snake because it's just it's stopped cars all the way down the canyon. And we've had some near misses the last couple of years. Yeah. Um, very big one came down and uh, we have it on the cam from the UPD vehicle went right behind it. Wow. Um, <laughs> Can you so imagine these that? Closures, yeah, these closures that are happening, when they, when they say they're putting a the closure out at one o'clock, that's the last little bit before it's too dangerous to be traveling. So it, it's a countdown. So when people say, well, it's just you know, one more car, it's, you're, it, it's a big deal. So it, it, it turns into a nightmare. People have been Stuck overnight. I don't know if you guys have. We've we uh, gone by. <laughs> today will be the day because I have to be down the canyon. That happens. We we've had to stay up here for three to four days um, and be in a lodge where nobody can leave yeah. uh, because yeah. there's spontaneous um, avalanches occurring and that, that can happen at any time mm -hmm. um, during the winter, just depending on on the, the avalanche forecast. So. Websites and the Utah Avalanche Forecast Center, they all have links and they have some pretty big, I think, a Twitter feed and a texting tree that you can sign up for mm -hmm. at the beginning of the season. And they'll send them all out to you, as well as the restrictions. There's portable drive restrictions. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and, and you will get ticketed if you don't adhere to them. <laughs> so they're, they're trying to have people use mass transit as much as possible. Yeah. So UTA every year adds more and more buses, but there's there's just more and more people. Yeah. So that's, that, that's a, you come up with a good loaded question. I wanted to tag out there, don't forget that we're high altitude. Because yes. I think that's, we see that a lot in the emergency department that um, mm -hmm. if you are coming out from a lower elevation, 
oh, we do have mountains here, yes. and they're high. <laughs> so hydrate. Yeah, <laughs> hydrate. All and the time, the example you said earlier of somebody coming from New Jersey, we get people to come right from altitude, get right. right to the airport, and right up to the Yeah, UK. yeah, yeah. And then uh, they're partying. Uh huh. <laughs> yeah, and they visit Jamie. Yeah. <laughs> yes. About five in the morning, and it's it's amazing how many people come right from sea level. Yeah. Acknowledge that there is that. Yeah. Yes. You just forget it until it's too late. Yeah. Nope. <laughs> yeah. Here we go. Yeah. So just a reminder that you know. Yeah. Uh huh. I love my mountains. That they're tall. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I guess dozens a day don't have fun, but just ease into it, right? Yeah. Yes. yeah. It's all we're asking. Yeah. That's what we tell them. It's ease into you, it. If you've ever been sick before or had mountain sickness at all or altitude issues, then stay a day down in Salt Lake Valley. Yeah. Um, it's amazing how many of those people. They don't need ambulance transport. Occasionally, they don't have any other means. So by the time we get the mountain the canyon, they feel. They feel yeah. good. Yeah. Oh, I'm good now. <laughs> and yes, we sent we sent quite a few people down. Just tell them go down, and watch a movie for a few hours, let your body you know climatize, and it makes a huge difference. Yeah. So yeah. It's it's amazing what else do will do. People thinking about that. So along with the avalanche signs, you need to make an altitude yes. sign. <laughs> yeah. Warning. Yes. Yeah. Warning. Yes. Right. Very high altitude. Salt Lake City alone is not at sea level. Yeah, no, <laughs> no. yeah for you're sure. Going, you're going up from there. Yeah. Perfect. We want you to come, though. Yes. True. We're, we, know we love our snow, but yeah. We like to share. Yeah. Very sharing, mm -hmm. caring environment. Yeah. Yep. I said most of the time I spend it in Mill Creek because it's dog friendly. So yeah. as a reminder too, if you're coming up here, this is not a dog friendly no. area. Yes. Yeah. A lot, especially if you're going backcountry, I know a lot of people bring their dogs backcountry skiing or hiking or whatever. A reminder that this is not the dog yeah, area. It's a, it's a protected mm -hmm. water shelter. And yeah, because of the watershed. Uh -huh. but yeah. The dogs that are up here are, are licensed yes. to be up here. They have to go through a process. There's only a certain number. Of uh, even the avalanche rescue dogs. So yeah, just because you see somebody else with a dog. Yeah. Wait a minute. Yes. <laughs> I'm sure service yeah. dogs, okay. Your yeah. emotional support There's... animal probably should leave at home. Yes. Yeah. There's other places in you know the area that are dog friendly, just not bigger little Cottonwood Canyon. Yep. Yeah. Just do your research before you come. Yeah, it's yeah. Like, that's the biggest thing. Like you had said, already know before you come. Yep. Yeah, definitely. Follow the, like I said, I follow the Utah Avalanche Center on Twitter, you know, just so I can see that kind of stuff and retweet it as a hospital to be like, hey guys, if you're coming to this area, then yeah. yes. I think pay attention. You, I was like, oh, hey, I didn't know that. And you're like, yeah, just go follow them. You yep. get these updates. Yep. Like, the more you know. Yeah. <laughs> they, they are awesome. They, that program, just give props to them. They, they go into all the high schools now, so that, I mean, they're, they're doing the know before you go try to get them at a young age as well, so. That's yeah. a great it's, idea. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's amazing, and, and it's The invincible sure. ages. Yeah, yes. yeah. Huh. Same I don't, for sure. <laughs> yes. I don't need that. I'm invincible. <laughs> and we do our training through them um, every year for, for the canyon stations. They're, they're awesome. They're great. Yeah. yeah. That's awesome. Good to know. Yeah. Sweet. So you guys have anything else? You have what anything else? else you want to talk about? I'm happy to talk about anything. <laughs> <laughs> you know, 
I'll, I'll tell you just real quick the different agencies that we do work with because yeah. a lot of people just assume that it's just UPD, um, Unified Police Department, and then uh, Search and Rescue and us, but there's uh, UDOT Highway Avalanche yeah. Safety Program. They're, they're, they're up here year-round. Um, we rely on them a lot. They, they help us. They've helped us even with forecasting, uh, like in the late, late spring when there's still slides um, for different calls that we've had before we've gone in. Um, Salt Lake County Search and Rescue, there, there, there's no way that we could. We could get in there and do the medical portion for you, but without them, you're not going to get back out to the road. So um, when there's only two of us coming in to do the medical, they, they are indispensable. Um, Sometimes they are there first, and sometimes they can handle the, the medical stuff. But if they were not here, we, we couldn't do our job. So we got to give props to them. But then there's also Forest Service Law Enforcement, um, Department of Public Safety uh, with their air medical, or not air medical, but air response. Um, they can do hoists. They can uh, take us in and rescuers in, but they can't transport medically. Mm -hmm. um, and then also, uh, as a last, farther down the tree, we can also use the Utah National Guard. But those are the main entities that are in the canyon. We all, we all have to work together. And, and sometimes, all of us will be on one call, depending mm -hmm. on what that call is. And that brought one more thought to my head, the top road again. I, always, I know people always ask, like, when does it close and when does it reopen? Because everybody likes to come up here for the wildflowers. Yeah, um, and that, they, they try to do it, as, as soon as there's, the snow is off the road, we're not going to do damage to the road, they'll mm -hmm. open it, and it's usually 1st of July. Yeah. That's, that's what they shoot for. I know it, it's changed every now and again, but we, we've been told that that, that that is kind of the date that they like to set. Mm -hmm. And when the snowpack's getting less and less, yeah. Because yeah. <laughs> usually it's the end that. of October-ish, yeah. usually when it closes, or? Yeah, uh, Labor Day. La is it Labor Day that they close it down? Yeah. Okay. That's, uh, I believe that's when they close uh, all the campgrounds. Yeah. I think that's always good to know, is thinking about when do the campgrounds close, the bathrooms, yes. roads, all yeah. that kind of stuff, that just because there's winter activities doesn't mean that there's facilities open right. for people when they're coming up. Right. <laughs> that is another thing. It is. <laughs> Something to think about. Well, I just think at the, bo at the bottom of your little sheet here is just that. Um, I, I like that after e probably after every event, you sit down and say, you know, what went well, what w could we have done different, could have, you know, and... I know I appreciate that ability that, you know, you, I say, the skill and expertise you bring into those calls, that those are reviewed and, you know, to say, you know, areas that, yeah, because we, I mean, we living in the emergency room, we don't like it when you don't have a good outcome. And so, um, you know, I think learning from that is, is crucial to that. So, mm -hmm. it is yeah. after action reviews are, especially when you have that many different agencies, right. talking yeah. about different radios, it's, Communication always an issue, so yeah, they they help out even on the good ones where everything goes perfect. We yeah. always learn. Yeah. Things. Yeah. Definitely. Just the teamwork that's involved in just helping and saving one person. There's hundreds and hundreds of people. That's when yeah. we are reviewing case reviews. It's not just reviewing it with that one person who took care of him. It's you know bigger. Picture, yeah. Big picture yeah. goes into it. So, yes, thank you. Definitely. There is one other resource actually. Uh, I put it on the back page. I just saw it. Remembered. Um, 
it's called, they were calling it preventative search and rescue. Um, search and rescue, Salt Lake County Search and Rescue just started it last year. And they've, on their website, they, they uh, advertise them. And it's basically free outdoor backcountry education. They have different mm. different topics that they do. And it's, I believe it, they've held some at REI or somewhere around the valley. But if you check out their uh, website, which is saltlakesearchandrescue.org, uh, all spelled out, even the and. <laughs> so, saltlakesearchandrescue.org. Um, I think they had six or seven of them last year. That's awesome. Well, I always like to promote that, um, you know, those resources because that's great information. And a lot of people don't know about it. And yeah, so if they want to yeah. get into this, it's nice to know that there are resources out yeah. there for you to get started and so you can safely enjoy doing yeah. this There activity. is, and one of the, the main pushers of that was due to COVID, they, they handle upwards of 40 to 60 actual call-out rescues a year. Just, just Salt Lake County Search and Rescue here. Last, it was the first year when COVID hit, when everybody started staying home, they had uh, 40, they had reached their, their usual year-end quota by June. Yeah, yeah, so that doesn't surprise it's, me. Yeah. You know, and it's taxing them, I mean, they, they've added more people. Um, but sometimes they have two or three incidents going on at the same time, and it's, yeah. it's hard to split everybody up. So yeah, they're, they're trying to push and get outdoor education out there too. Yeah. yeah, I know one of the studies I read was that was the thing is everybody's getting back to enjoying the good outdoors. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Where it's, they just, it was like, we didn't have time before, and we get to get out here, and I've always wanted to try this, or I've always wanted to go here. And it's packed. Oh, it is. Yeah. It's packed everywhere. And so just that basic respect, basic basic etiquette, etiquette yeah. Yeah. Um, of, you know, being outdoors and respecting other people's space, respecting kind of the, well, I look at it as, the, you know, the rules and regulations of what you're supposed to be doing. And yeah. to me, it's etiquette. You know, I know trail etiquette and skiing so etiquette. Know the etiquette and of the activity. That know the etiquette of your well. activity because so. it's just going to make it so much easier and nicer for everybody to enjoy it. Yes. Because it's just going to keep being busy. I don't see oh, that changing yeah. anytime soon. Um, but yeah, it's, it's just being respectful of people around you. Having uh, some situational awareness when you're out yeah. and about. Yeah. And well, and like we were talking, circle back to that when you're on the ski hill. Yeah. <laughs> you know, know your skill. I don't go on black diamonds. I don't ski black diamonds. I don't my family ski at does. All. <laughs> so I know, you know my limitations, I, so I don't ski at all. <laughs> I would not only be a hazard to myself but to others if I went down the black diamond. Yes. So, you know, I think that's just a, a reminder that if you skied in a certain resort last year and that was I don't, I don't know if they're all marked black diamond the same criteria, but you know, just make sure that you have the skill level to be where you are. Whether and that that's really and there's no shame sport. in going down a bunny hill. Exactly, <laughs> get familiar with it, and you know that I type of thing. But yeah, but I know they say the the skier collisions are detrimental. So we also have the just a couple ships ago. We had somebody. Um, take about a 100 to 200 pipe I'll slide down the uh, peak up here because they had skied out and it's way over their ability yeah. and took their skis off and started walking back and fell. So mm -hmm. yeah, you can, you can get yourself out of the same trouble pretty quick. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So just a reminder to 
<laughs> no, 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 where you're going. Yes. <laughs> Definitely. And it's totally fine. Yeah, that's okay. <laughs> yeah. So, sweet. Is there. So I, I, you covered everything that I had in my head to yeah. check yeah. off. Yeah. So. Again, we welcome about. you to our great outdoors, yes. but just be safe and. Yes. Yeah. Thank you, so. Jason, for yeah. taking the time yeah. out of your day. and hanging out with us to give I'm, us the rundown. I'm anxious about my one o'clock trip down the canyon. <laughs> yeah, three, three minutes. Three minutes. Yeah. 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 So, thanks, so, guys, for tuning okay. in. Yeah. Perfect. Thanks, everybody. Hey, thanks, everyone. We'll see you next time. Hey. Okay.